Let's talk about microdosing. You know that feeling when your body and mind are really at peace, like after a workout or a nice long shower, where you've relaxed, you're focused, and a little energized? It feels just right, like you're in the zone. Well, microdose can help you not only get into that zone easier, but stay there longer. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I absolutely love how helpful these gummies are. For me, half a microdose gummy during the day helps me really stay centered and really fresh as I get everything done on my list. And they really help me relax in the evenings as well and just be present and in the moment instead of worrying about things from the day or what I have to do tomorrow. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code MinaAF for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Mina Starziak-Hawk and this is Mina AF, where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything. Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants? You're both boss moms. And I'd love to know the story of how you met. Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better. You guys, I am super excited. So excited today for our guest. Also completely terrified because not only is she like incredibly beautiful and incredibly smart, she is, I believe, been coined the queen of crime podcast. I think you're probably just the queen of podcasting, (laughs) but we have the amazing and talented Ashley Flowers. Hello. I'm so excited and I'm stress sweating. I was telling Steve last night, um, I was like, okay, I'm actually recording with Ashley tomorrow and I'm super nervous. He's like, why are you nervous? You guys are friends. And I was like, well, I think that's strange too because like, and this is the one that I'm like an interview that I'm like actually the most comfortable with because I'm like, oh, I can like, Mina's cool. I can trust her. There's not going to be any like wild things. I have like press PTSD and I'm like, (laughs) I'm down to just like hang. (laughs) He was like, it's fine. I was like, no, she's like, she literally is Michael Jordan of podcasting. Like that is the thing. And I was like, if we were building houses, sure. But you know, it's, 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 we're not, we're not, we're podcasting. To be fair, I think there isn't a single podcaster out there who listens to, like, their first episodes and are like, yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. I Nailed it. I, I literally, like, since I've recorded our first episodes, have never gone back because I, I think I would cry. I would, like, want to claw my <laughs> eyes out. I would want to hide under the table. So that is, like, you even uh, – your, your episodes are going to be great, but you are still going to hate them no matter what. <laughs> well, I bought Steve the fan club membership. Which he didn't need because he's up to date and he's already seen everything. I bought it like two Christmases ago, but I've been using it and I listen to you Mm -hmm. uh, when I work out in the morning and when I get my massage, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which is not weird at all. 
But I went all the way back to the beginning, and that's where I started. Oh, so God. I have been listening to all these episodes <laughs> that are old where you're like swearing you're never going to have children, and it's you're probably you know, like five years old, um, <laughs> and, and they're amazing. I always tell people the old episodes, what I love is with ads or, or with um, podcasting, the ads are dynamic. So like current ads go in old episodes. And so I'm always waiting for the person who gets the ad where I'm like, F kids, I'm never having kids. And I <laughs> cut, cut to a Pampers ad. <laughs> Exactly. And they're like, wait, what happened? Yes. And we are definitely going to talk about the momness that you are now. But let's kick off with a question from the mailbox. This first one is from Amy. Hey there. Thank you for allowing us to ask questions. So I'm very excited to see the two of you ladies together because you're both two very badass, self-made boss moms. And I'd love to know the story of how you met. Our meet cute story, uh, Steve is going to be so mad that so he's mad. not here because he doesn't think I tell it right and he doesn't like the way that you tell it or I tell it. But the the short story is that he catfished you. A thousand percent. Yes. So on your end, I think in all fairness, Steve is a huge crime junkie fan, mm-hmm. as are all sane humans. And he's like telling me about it. And he's like, she's in indie, Mina. Like, how is this not a thing? Like, you've got to, you've got to figure this out. You've got to meet her. We need to be friends with them. And Steve also says that to me about David Beckham. So, you know, there's only so much I can do. But he was he was not wrong. Uh, it was strange that we hadn't crossed paths yet. Yeah. So I sent you the first message on Instagram. And I think both of our better halves are better at that kind of communication than we are. Oh, 100%. I am terrible at follow-up. And so I'll like be like, yes. yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll reply. And then life gets busy. Also, my DMs are a black hole. And it's like yes. a miracle I saw yours to begin with. It is. It is. I got the check mark, which is helpful. Yeah. Well, what's also important to note, though, is I think at the time you guys were reaching out, COVID happened. So that like delayed any like getting yes. it together. I and totally so, forgot about that. Yeah. So that's where things, I think, kind of like dropped off for a while is because the world shut down. And yeah. then we eventually did get together for like a double date. We mm-hmm. double date at Geraldine's in Indy, like our favorite oh date spot. It was so good. But Steve was not happy with my follow-up. So I had sent the message. I think you had responded maybe. Oh, God, I wonder if I even still have those. But Steve took um, took over my Instagram account and continued this conversation. As you. As me. Yeah, he didn't say it was him, for sure. <laughs> no, as he would have wanted me to be following up in a more appropriate manner. Yeah. Um, and I believe I kind of, like, I think I knew he was. Because I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm a hot mess. Do whatever you need to do. Figure out figure out a dinner date. Um, so, he, you know, he catfished you thinking that uh, you were chatting with me. Hell, maybe he was chatting with Eric. Who knows? Well, and I'm, like, shocked. Eric was so down to meet, like, it is so hard to make new friends as an adult. And Dating I remember as an adult. I remember us being so nervous. We're like, we haven't like go- we're going on a double date with someone we've never met. Like this could be uh-huh. totally weird. Also, for uh-huh. some reason, I wasn't like super familiar with your personal life. I remember telling you I thought that you were like really religious and had like seven kids, which I was like, <laughs> again, this is pre-Joe. I was like, I just don't know that her and I have a lot in common, but like, let's go get dinner. <laughs> I would not have accepted the date if I thought that I was who you thought I was. But yeah, so we were we were really nervous going in just because we were like, we don't know anything. What if we have nothing to talk about? But I was shocked. My husband, 
usually like steers clear of this kind of stuff. And he was like all in. Oh my gosh, Steve's the same way. And I was stress wedding. Oh, we were instant best friends though. Dinner was amazing. We went back to your house afterwards. Like if it w- truly was a first date, like we closed the deal. Oh yeah. I mean like if, yes, we we definitely, you know, uh, there, there would have been sexy time if uh, it was an actual date. But I think Frank got all the sexy time because oh. we did, we had an amazing dinner. Probably, I, I think I'd have probably had like two Manhattans before you guys even got there because I was so nervous. And Geraldine's is amazing, but mm-hmm. the upstairs is not as the vibe is not the same. It's, it's the vibe's not the same. And we were like the only table up there. So yeah. it's just like us on, under a microscope. Anywho, it went out well. We went back to the house. And then if Steve and I hadn't sealed the deal, Frank sealed it 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Frank, your 300 pound dog, was just sitting on my husband's lap the entire night. <laughs> the whole night. The whole fabulous. night. It was incredible. So that, and that was kind of the beginning of what, all jokes aside, has turned into a really great friendship. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, your friend, like your group of friends, that we, I feel like, we're kind of in 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 all the little circles together now. We do events together, and it's been really nice because it is hard to make friends as adults. So hard, and it's so nice having somebody who's you know now you're in podcasting. Now we're in the same industry, but having somebody who's just like in media, yeah, because it's weird. Yeah, and I don't have a lot of those friends, but it's especially weird being in media in Indiana because yeah. that just is not a thing. No, <laughs> we're trying no, to make it it's a thing, not, but. And I mean, I think um, some of my other like female friends that I'm closest with, like Adrian, who owns the wedding studio, like being a woman, owning a business, and mm-hmm. and now particularly like you're a mom now, it's just it is a whole different beast. And if you're not if you're not in it, it's kind of hard to get like what we actually do all day. Mm-hmm. And like the stress is like, oh, you get to sit in a booth and record, <laughs> but I don't. I think sometimes it's like you 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 have to be on. Yeah. But to be on for so many things. And that can be very um, draining, like emotionally and, and physically and mentally. So we'll get to that. But I so want to talk about your upbringing um, <laughs> because it is, we've joked um, about that, you know, you grew up in a cult. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of hear the big story for everyone that doesn't know um, you were raised like very strict and religious. Yeah. So, we joke that it was a cult. Um, technically, I think they called themselves non-denominational. I don't know what that meant to them. I think it was borderline like evangelical Christian is really the closest thing I can find to, to compare. And it's how Britain and I know each other. And tr- truly, there was a lot of good that came from that. I, I had a happy childhood, really you know, tight friendships. My dad worked for the church. So we actually lived in what's called a parsonage, which is a house owned by the church. It was on the church property. So literally, I lived in this bubble. And I think that's why I call it a cult. It's like everyone I knew was from the church. I went to school. I was either homeschooled for a while or I went to the school at the church. We had to go to church three times a week. Like there was no life outside of church. I remember even when being younger, um, because we went to church so much and hearing about people who would like get to sleep in on Sunday. And I remember thinking that was like such a small portion of the population. Like you (laughs) you think you're the majority. And I just couldn't imagine a world outside. But it was it was really strict. Like so I I could not watch like read, watch whatever, you know, Harry Potter and weird things like Furbies were a no go. Cabbage Patch Kids (laughs) were a no go. Like things that my mom can't even explain why now. But like, yeah. 
Um, it's like oh my the God. gateway gateway toy to all the sins. My mom is going to kill me. Because full disclosure, like, my whole family's cool now. Like, we got out of the cult. Oh, my gosh. You're f- I would never, never be like, oh, yeah, no, you were super religious and strict. My mom's going to kill me for telling the story because she's mortified every time I bring it up. <laughs> I, I think I was in fifth grade, and I was wearing these overalls. And it was cool to, like, have one of the shoulders, like, undone. What a hussy. And that's what my mom thought. <laughs> she, she, she was like, absolutely not. And she's like, do you know why they do that, Ashley? And I was like, uh-uh. And she's me. like, it's so they can get undressed faster to have sex. <laughs> like, uh, what? I was like, I'm pretty sure no. But also, like, I'm also going to church right now and then to my church school and, like, nothing's happening. Yeah. It brings it back to something I think I'm most resentful for about, like, how we grew up is the way young girls and women were looked at. Like, when I look yeah. back at the things that were being told to us, um, we would go to, like, these summer camps and we had to wear one pieces with T-shirts over them because we couldn't distract the boys. Like, oh. the boys, there was no conversations with them about, like— Meanwhile, they're, in, like, running around in banana hammocks and shit. Well, yeah, and there's no conversation <laughs> with them about, like— being appropriate or, or how to manage their hormones or not looking at us. It was like, we just have to not distract them. And every story yeah. you read, it was always the woman who was a man's downfall. And yeah. there was a lot of shame on women and your sexuality. And I remember so many conversations around purity because they would say, you know, once you once you give that away, you're not really worth anything to your husband. And again, guy, I don't, I don't think the boys were getting much of that conversation. Maybe no, some. No, no. But it, they they made everything seem like your worth was your virginity, mm-hmm. um, which is just absolutely bonkers to me. Um, and everything so much, even outside of that, I think the reason I am so far removed from that today is it wasn't about what what they preached was love and acceptance and and Jesus and giving, but when you actually looked at what they were doing, it was more about judgment, us versus them, um, and they so it was really saying one thing and doing another, and it was it yeah. was I feel like people still making the mistakes and being human, but instead of realizing that we all do that and how do we become better people, it was about putting on a front. There was a lot of lies, a lot of secrecy. Eventually, the church fell apart, I think, because of all the secrets and the lies. That was my question, um, because I don't know if we've ever really talked about, like, the transition out of that Mm -hmm. lifestyle, because your parents aren't in it now. You're obviously Mm -hmm. not. But what happened? Well, yeah. So at some point, this was like this. It was like a mega church. um, And it was started by a man who then passed away, passed it down to his sons. And eventually, I think it was around, like, as I was coming out of middle school and into high school. pretty much righteous gemstones. No, truly. Like... (laughs) so stinking like it's it's a great show I love watching that show but it brings back a lot of memories yeah um right as I was like coming into high school the church really just kind of fell apart like all the brothers went their separate ways the church everyone kind of crumbled they either followed one person or just found like a new church altogether and that's kind of where our family was we found a new church altogether and I think again you get out of the bubble and you start seeing the bubble from a different view. It's like a new normal. Like, yeah. oh, what I thought was normal, there's there's a lot more that falls into that category. Yeah, and there's a lot like, again, when you're you're being fed one thing by all these people again and they they have your paycheck, they own your house, like your whole your whole dependency is on them. And so you can only you can't see the forest through the trees and then you get out of that and you really get some perspective, which I think allowed us to 
to grow and to get better. And, you know, a big part of it for me was even going to college and, and even getting further away from the church, my family, how I grew up, even because everyone around me still grew up the same way. And I think once you go outside and you meet different types of people who live different walks of life, and that's when I really found for myself that like, I don't care. I don't care what people believe. But like, if you're not if you're not helping people, if you're not loving people for exactly who they are, if you're causing more harm than good, then you're not being a good person. And that's not what I want to associate myself with. So your whole upbringing story is like one murder away from being one of your episodes. I'm truly shocked that nothing more scandalous happened. I keep waiting. There was that like Hillsong documentary that just came out. Yes. I loved it. Oh my but I gosh, keep waiting. So I'm like, where, where's the one about my church? Because like any day now, there's got to be something. The I just listened to one, um, the church, and it was like the whole family that owned it. And the girl got pregnant by her cousin, and she was like 12. Oh, Selena Mays. Selena, yes. I just oh, that listened was a to that episode, episode. And like that, I'm having flashbacks. Yeah, that one was wild. Yeah, she's still missing. They have no idea what happened to her. But I, I, I mean, something within that church, someone knows something. Yeah, 100%. So – I mean, obviously, if the church hadn't fallen apart, you probably would be a completely different human. But when your family transitioned out of that church into the new one, what like, what was different about it? What changed that allowed your family to kind of transform into what it is now? I don't know that it was the new church. So because I think that we – because they were – they still believed a lot of the same things even in this new church. I just think we weren't so deep in it. Like we went on Sunday mornings and then – we continued to live our lives. We were forced to meet new people. So when the church broke up, there was no school. I went to a public high school. And so our circle just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that's what's so important. When you're in this tight-knit group and you're all just kind of feeding the same information back to each other, that's truth. And that's the only truth you'll ever know. And I understand why they believe that everyone else is telling lies and that's evil and we hate that. Because all the people you know and trust are saying X and these other, you know, scandalous people are saying Y and having their straps undone on their overalls. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, how far you have come. Oh, my Uh, goodness. Girl, Uh, To the most, like, amazing sequent podcasting (laughs) goddess ever. Anytime I do anything with Ashley, you guys, I think to myself, what's Ashley going to wear? And then I immediately know the answer is sequins. (laughs) And then I think about how I don't have enough sequins. And I have four items in my um, collection now that have sequins literally only because I need to be able to have sequins on occasion if I am doing something with Ashley. Well, it, that whole thing started. I I love a sparkle. Like, I just get so excited. And I used to say before my podcasting days, before I owned my own company, that I have more sequin than anyone in Indiana should own. Because I'm, I'm like, where am I going to wear this to? And it, yeah. it was true. It was like building up. And I loved it. It made me so happy. And so finally, one day, once I owned my own company, I was coming into the office that I ran. And I was like, why am I waiting for a special occasion? If sequin makes me happy, like I'm going to roll in with my disco pants on. And so that's kind of like where it went. And I'm never afraid of being overdressed. I feel like as long as you're showing up confident and you like love it, who gives a yes. fuck what you're wearing? Like, Well, and it's so funny because, uh, you know, a lot of people the saying like, oh, well, they have a face for radio. I am in my little podcast bubble. I worked out. I put a hat on. I didn't shower. Um, but you like are on point every day and it makes you so happy and I love it. And I'm like, I should, I should really like try a little more because it does make you feel good. Like if you're put together, 
you feel feel some kind of way. I do. Don't get me wrong. I have my scrubby days. I, I like to tell people I'm either a two or a 10. Like there's <laughs> nothing in between. There's nothing in between. Truly. Like I will either be, it's like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> or it's like, oh you my God. You look really tired. Yeah. I get that a lot. You look so tired. I'm like, well, that don't ever say that to anyone ever again. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely have my scrubby days. But we, we just got a new office. Now I've got 36 people who show up every day. And I do feel like I, you know, I'm the face of this. I'm going to set the tone for what it's yeah. like to be here. And so I'm going to put a, put a little effort in. So, yeah, we just had um, dinner, what, like a week or so ago. And yeah. we're talking about your Christmas party last year compared to your holiday this year and how much Audio Chuck has grown. Mm-hmm. And it's really super incredible because uh, if we can like back up just a little bit, it wasn't that long ago that you were doing like doctor hospital sales. No, medical sales. I was medical sales. I did medical sales and then I did software sales before this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I'm sure a lot of people have heard you talk about that you, you know, read Nancy Drew and you were super into crime, which I am interested. Was that allowed in the culty church or was that something that was more developed once you got out of it? No, that like, again, the stuff that was or wasn't there. I swear to God, there was no rhyme or reason. It was just them like, what, how can we control these people? Because, oh, yeah, I was reading Nancy Drew when I was little. I was watching Matlock with my mom when I was like five. So that and maybe that's why. That stuff was, that's so strange. Uh Uh-huh. So that stuff is probably why it was some of the only stuff I was allowed to consume that wasn't Christian faith-based. So you just went down that rabbit hole and it became like a super... I've never thought about it that way. Maybe that's why I'm obsessed. (laughs) My um, podcasting room, I'm not kidding, is probably nine by nine and Frank's in here with me and he just farted. It's so bad, like rotten mm. egg. Chuck does that all the time at the office. Everyone's so nice for putting up with him. (laughs) He was in the office. uh, Me and Finley share an office and he did like the downward dog bend with his butt facing her and she's like, I saw into his soul and it went... (laughs) (laughs) down his butthole um yes we both love dogs if you guys didn't know Mm. and our doggies are at work with us quite often i think um chuck probably has a much more plush life at your office than frank does but have i shown you his custom-made dog bed in my office is it the one that's like on the window yes yes that's amazing yeah we we made him this dog bed it's like even with the windowsill it has like this cushy top it i took the old sign for my office that said audio chuck i kept the part that just said chuck and put it on the bed he's got these little stairs to climb up he sits there in the sun looking freaking majestic it's like the thing i'm most proud of we could do a whole episode about our dogs i'm sure Warmer, sunnier days are calling and you can fuel up for them with factors no prep no mess meals Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. With delicious options from breakfast to dessert, you can stay fueled all day long with easy and nutritious options. Plus, with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, Factor meals are a real treat. I love the convenience and the variation of Factor's different meal preferences. Whether it's managing calories, maximizing protein, or avoiding meat, crush your goals this May with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 
and use code MINAAF50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code MINAAF50 at factormeals.com slash MINAAF50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So I think what is is really interesting to me, because even before you got pregnant with Joe, um, I had listened to these episodes where you you said frequently, like, would tell a tragic story and like, this is why I'm never having kids. I'm never having kids. I'm never having kids. And now you have Joe and I'm sure you can't imagine it any other way. But that's got to be hard. Like my mom did um, sex crimes for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of stuff where you saw kids getting uh, neglected, injured, mm. purposefully hurt. And you're like, I don't want to bring anyone into this effed up world. Was mm-hmm. that kind of the thought process because you were so in the thick of all these like horrible things? I mean, it was there was a lot of things. I mean, like the first and foremost is like I just I didn't want it at the time. And I always used to say or or I would a little bit, but I, I used to say that I want to do everything else I want to do first. So that way, when I have a kid, it's like the last thing that I haven't done that I want more than anything. So I know that that way, when it's really hard, I think it'll be easier to handle because I want it so much. So kind of wanting kids was never enough for me. And I was doing so much with my career that like I, Eric and I were so happy with the two of us. We would look at our friends with kids. It just it didn't see, I wasn't going to have kids just because that's what other people did. And so for a long time, that didn't seem like it. Also, there was this part of like what I do, not that the world is such a bad place. That's a little bit of it. It's, it's fucking terrifying, but it's like, I feel now that I have her, which is what I was afraid would happen, that I have this huge gaping vulnerable spot that Mm -hmm. I didn't have before. Yeah. That You know, I could worry about myself if something happened to me, like I'm an adult, I can, you know, whatever. But now I just have this crawling, talking vulnerability that's going to walk out into the world that I can't protect 24-7. And it is so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's – and you get to keep her at home most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like once they get into school, I'm like, Mm. you you say something mean to my kid. I will cut you. I literally – I. And I think about this stuff all the time. I've got like such anxiety about life. But I think I was stuck behind a school bus coming out of my neighborhood. This was literally this week. And I remember seeing this little tiny girl with her big old backpack like getting on the bus. And I'm thinking to myself like, I don't think I will. I have to. Right. But I don't think I could ever like just send my baby into the world and just trust other people to take care of her. Oh, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. Well, there's no right or wrong, right? You have to figure it out for yourself. I think that's so much of parenting because like, because I'm also afraid of going the other direction where I'm going to, I don't want to be this helicopter parent that like, oh God, no. because the the more you try to control them, the more they want to like act out and then they do something stupid. Mm-hmm. So I'm just petrified. I want her to stay nine months forever so I can just like keep oh. her with me. <laughs> and I know that's not going to happen. No, I am. Um... Kelsey, my sister, is eight years younger than me, so a, a pretty decent-sized gap. And when she went away to college, um, it was after uh, there'd been, you know, a handful of murders, disappearances at IU. And I, when she went, I did my best to instill, like, the, the fear of God mm-hmm. in her. I was like, you look like a Barbie doll. People will steal you. Mm-hmm. They will traffic you. They will, like – 
Do not let your guard down for a second. I am not Liam Neeson. I will not be able to find you. <laughs> you need to be careful. I, those are the exact words. And I remember like the the scariest, one of the scariest nights because I was kind of like her mom. Because my mom had like, she was like, I raised my kids. I'm good. Like her phone didn't stay on at night. Mine's mm-hmm. always on. So Kelsey would call me a lot of times just drunk. Um, but I got a call from her and I couldn't understand her. It sat, she was crying oh, so no. hard. I couldn't understand what she was saying. And she sounded like she sounded like someone had died. <gasps> and then I finally make out. He made out with another girl at the bar. Also true. And I'm like, okay, okay, are you safe? Are you safe? She's walking home. Her house was probably a 15-minute walk from the bars. And this was at 2 in the morning. Mm. And she's calling me because this guy she liked was making out with another girl. So she left and is walking home from the bars, Mm. which is one of the rules I said. You never go anywhere by yourself. If you go with people, you leave with people. Mm -hmm. Don't go anywhere by yourself. She's walking home. So I said, I'm staying on the phone with you. Do not hang up on me. Stay on the – and so she's still crying and talking about this boy. And she's like, okay, I got I got to my house. I'm like, don't hang up. She's fussing with the door. I said, do not hang up. Set the phone down so you have two hands. Mm-hmm. Get the door open. Go inside. Lock it. And then talk to me. And so she sets the phone down, futzing, futzing, futzing. Silence. Oh. And I was like, and I'm calling her back. It's going straight to voicemail, oh, straight to voicemail. I'm calling. I only knew one of her roommate's phone numbers. Um, and I'm calling her. She's not answering. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, what would Ashley Flowers say? <laughs> this is probably before the podcast, but that's what I would say now. And I'm freaking out because, you know, you never think something bad's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I'm like, she's probably fine. Her phone probably just died. But what if she was snatched and murdered and I didn't call the cops? So I call – the cops are like, well, whatever. I either called Bloomington Police or IU, and they said I had to call the other one. So I'm calling, and I'm trying to explain to them where her house is because I didn't know the address, but I could, like, oh see God. it and explain to them how to get there. And so they're at one house, and no one's answering. The lights are off. I'm like, I don't think that's it. Try going a little further south. They find her house. This B-I-T-C-H. I, I think I think her phone had died just at the most terrifying time. But so the cops go and they go in and it's, it's seven girls that live in this house. They're all just shammered, oh my passed God. out. One of them, like while the cops are trying to shake them to figure out which tiny blonde <laughs> is my sister and make sure she's alive, falls out of bed, like cuts her head open. And they couldn't get Kelsey to wake up, but they locate her. They the, A roommate says, this is Kelsey. And I'm like, okay. Thank you guys so much oh for God. checking and making sure she's alive. I promise you this will be a conversation tomorrow. And, uh, I mean, it was – I was like, Kelsey, come on. You're, well, you're I, I mean, what's so frustrating is I did all that dumb stuff too. Me too. And I it, – because you you think you're invincible. You think you're invincible. And now being on the other end of it, yes, I'm a parent, but, like, I feel like I got parenty before this because of the podcast and everything. Yes. You just want to shake – people and I don't know why I couldn't understand it because I again I it's not like I was new to crime I don't know why I thought I was immune to it I don't know why everyone thinks they're immune to it but it it makes me lose my mind yeah because you don't know how to get get it through to people that you're so vulnerable well and I think particularly people like who are very successful or you know amazing entrepreneurs like you you, for example, you 
have to have a certain sense of self where you're like, I can do this. Like I am invincible to be able to do all these amazing successful things, but also balancing it with, yeah, no, I could be murdered tomorrow or whatever mm-hmm. your vulnerability is and how how that plays out in your life. Because if you're, you know, if I was scared of everything all the time, then we're not going to take these chances. Maybe yeah. Audio Chuck doesn't exist or Two Chicks and a Hammer doesn't. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not trying to get killed. Mm. <laughs> it's this weird, weird balance. And I think what that kind of it changed, I think it changed for you, like you said, when you were more um in the know of all the all these terrible things that were going on. A lot of your episodes are in Indiana, mm-hmm. where we live, or you know, in the Midwest, in towns where the people would say, you know, we never thought this was going to happen here. Mm-hmm. But for me specifically, it changed. I think after having kids, even more, which I'm sure it did more for you mm-hmm. because now, like you said, you are responsible for this other life. Yeah. Again, I've got. I just there's this huge vulnerability that I. Though I do have control over it, I feel such a lack of control. Yeah. Because um, there is only so much you can do as as your kids get older. And they're and if, if you do your job right, they go out into the world and they don't need you. But I just want to hover over her forever. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's more socially acceptable by the time our children go off to college to have like a tracking chip in them. Ideally. I really hope that. Ideally. I would put one in me to, today. Track me. <laughs> If I get stolen, I want you to be able to come find me. Um, and I, uh, what I would always tell Kelsey, I said, if someone takes you, do the best you can to retain your phone and hide it so they don't take it. Because mm-hmm. once we know you're gone, then we can at least – like I was very specific about my directions for survival in college. Oh, yeah. I'm like – well, even now we went on like this reporting trip literally last week and we were like knocking on suspects' doors. And I'm like, okay, so I've got my cell phone, but I'm going to like – hide my Apple Watch like underneath my thing. So if something happens and they were to take my phone, I at least like have yes. my Apple Watch that I can call. Like I was, yeah. I So was going messed down up. <laughs> it is. It is messed up. But it, it, this is the life I That's live. hilarious. So I want to talk about, because I imagine you are probably starting to get more of the question, but you know, my oldest is four and people ask all the time how I balance motherhood and work. And A, it tick Steve off to no end because he's like, oh, yeah, what am I, just a bump on a log over here? Like, no one asks dads that. So obviously that bigger conversation about motherhood and how different it looks for everyone mm-hmm. and kind of how you've experienced that and like the social element of that, like what people think. I know I get all these keyboard warriors that are like, oh, you don't cook dinner for your family every night? And I'm like, heck no, I don't. I'm doing other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I so I, it is balanced a little bit. I I don't know how I do it because I I get a lot of the great fan feedback. Well, it, it's also because we've got fan engagement specialists. So like that was we have a whole team that literally makes sure people's re- like DMs get replied to, that their emails get replied to, and my and the good stuff I do get to see all of it. Like our team funnels it to me, but what they have helped me to do is funnel out the shit because everyone's got yeah. an opinion about what I'm doing and. To be very honest, I don't care. Like, what I care about is people who want to, like, help me learn and grow as a person. Again, listening to our old episodes, there's language that we've changed. And, like, that stuff I'm all about. Like, help help me do better because I have such a big platform. The best example I can think of is, like, when I had Joe. Um, After, I think it was, like, two or three weeks, like, I needed to go to the office. 
not because I needed to do work, but because I was having such a hard time being a mom, a new mom. I had postpartum depression. I wasn't bonding with her right away. I felt like something was wrong with me. And so day in and day out, not only do I have this crazy hormone thing going on, I don't look like myself still. I've got this new baby. I've never been a parent before. I feel like I'm failing Monday through Friday, eight to five. And so three weeks in, I was like, let me do let me do something I'm good at. at. Yeah. Like I want to go back to feeling like I know what I'm doing and feeling valuable and give me four hours and then I'll come home. I'll be refreshed. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have different stressors, some big, some small that we carry around and that really weigh us down. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to have a negative effect on us. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. For me, therapy has been so helpful, really learning those positive coping skills and to be the best version of myself. I know myself better and how to set the right boundaries that really work for me. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, then give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, and it's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MinaAF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MinaAF. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I remember getting this DM and it was like, I never respond to shit, but it was the one that I had to because I was so You're like, you son of a bitch. You're getting so it. So fucking mad. I think this person was saying like, you're setting a bad example for other moms who, who thinks that they have to be rushed back to work. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not telling people to get back to work at eight weeks. What I'm saying is this is what I'm doing because this is what I needed. And if I would have stayed at home every day, I would have had nothing to give to Joe. I would have been sad. I would have been even more depressed. And I can't raise a happy baby if I'm miserable. So there, there is a lot of, of that. And it is, it is, I think, harder as a woman to go back to work because I told Eric, I was like, he's a fantastic partner. But I told him, even if we share everything 50, 50, even if you do half the diapers, half the bottles, half the everything. It will never be even because the night that we got to go away for Eric's birthday, he got to sleep through the night for the first time. I still had to get up and pump. Yeah. I my body is still physically healing. I'm I'm doing all the stuff he's doing while I just pushed out a baby and like my cooch is sewn up and I'm like bleeding <laughs> and like you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like so it's net like it is harder. So Part of me understands a little bit why there's this question, at least early on, about going back to work and is it hard? Maybe they mean something shitty by it, but it is. We do way more of the work. I put it in perspective like this and people are like, oh, you had you guys you had a kid. I'm like, it's like if we like knitted a blanket like, yeah, Eric went to the store yeah. and picked out the yarn with me. But like I knitted the <laughs> fucking blanket. <laughs> yeah. 
so there there is that piece where I think it's harder. But like, yeah, once you know, once they're older, like right now, talking about like a work life balance seems to only be about me. But I'm like, yo, I got Eric too. Eric comes into yeah. the office the same as I do. What? Why is that different? And I think it's just yeah. these traditional gender roles. But Eric, Eric yeah. actually, for the first six months, stayed home with her. Yeah. And I like, I bless him for it. It drove him, ended up driving him crazy. We, he had to go back to well, work. Well, I think that's an amazing thing if you have the opportunity to do, even if it's, you know, if you have, again, the whole idea of leave for moms versus dads mm-hmm. is wild and we don't need to jump into that. But even if you could do it for two weeks mm-hmm. I think it is this huge appreciation for not only the moms, but even like we both have nannies mm-hmm. and their jobs are incredible mm-hmm. and they spend more time with the kids during the day, mm-hmm. obviously, than I do. And I think, you know, there are a lot of feelings about that, like someone else is raising my children, but I know myself. Mm-hmm. And if I were to stay home with them every day, um, it would not be good. No. I would not be, I would be a shell of myself and I would have nothing to give to That's them. what I'm saying. And I, and like, I look at my mom who thrived as a stay-at-home mom, like, and, yeah. and truly hardest fucking job in the world, but she loved it. Yeah. And it, it comes so easily to her. And so, so yeah. being home brought her so much joy. She felt so fulfilled. But to your point, I'm the same way. I knew that if I had to stay home with her, that it would feel like I had to, right? Not that I got to. And it yeah. would be the same way. I I can't, you can't give from an empty cup is what they say. I need to fill my yeah. own cup before I can do it for her. And so that way I can be a bomb-ass mom, morning, evenings, weekends, holidays, trips. I can give her so much attention and be so excited and invest in her so fully because I'm investing in myself as well. Yeah, there's just... I mean, even in my relationship with Steve, we've had conversations about, I think, kind of this general expectation about wanting, like, okay, you should want to be at home all the time with us, with the kids, with dad. I get a lot of joy from work. And I think because he was raised so differently, his mom, you know, had dinner on the table every night at six and was very, like, the typical traditional family, whereas mine was very different. You know, my parents divorced when I was three. I had nannies. Uh, like, and I don't know if my parents ever took me to school. Um so I'm just used to something different. But so even for him, it's a challenge when I own my own company. And so in his mind, okay, you could be home at 4 or 4.30 or 5. Like, why do you come home at 5.15? And so we've had the conversation about, like, you have your things. I have my things. And I need you not to project that on me because the time I have with the kids – I cherish mm-hmm. and I love and I feel like it's quality. I get 25 minutes with Jack on the way to school every morning and it is the most amazing 25 minutes of my day mm-hmm. and it's a great way to start it. And, you know, if I stayed home, we could have that same conversation for eight hours <laughs> and it would bring even less joy because we'd have it for eight <laughs> right. hours. But, you know, so it's this – even that internal, I guess, judgment seems kind of harsh, but dialogue mm-hmm. in our own relationship about how – I should feel or want to feel or I should be expected to interact as a mom. And because things are changing, but not quickly enough, it is just all these very traditional norms where mom stays at home, dad goes to work. And, you know, you guys obviously have your a non, non-traditional setup. Like you both work full-time. Steve and I both work full-time. And it works for us. And I think a lot of the people who do have those comments and judgments are just because they don't know. They don't know anything different. And it's so easy for people to 
make those judgments behind a keyboard. Whereas if they were to meet you in person or meet me in person, it would be a completely different conversation. No one would say any of this shit to our face. No, no, because it's like we're not humans Mm -hmm. when they're not in person. I get so many inappropriate like sexual comments. And again, I, I most of them I don't respond to. But what this one guy added, he was like, I'm so sorry. This is so embarrassing. I would never say this to your face. And I responded and I said, just a suggestion for you to roll around in your brain. Maybe interact with people on this social platform like you were talking to their face. Because you are. And I think that will make you feel better about how you are as a human. Ugh. It's just bizarre. Yeah. It's like we're like not real people kind of, I think. But I also kind of get it because Steve's like, before we were friends with you, he's like, Ashley Flowers and she's on this pedestal and she's perfect and amazing and has a great podcast. And then when you know more, it humanizes people and, you know, we all have these flaws, but why can't we just kind of like give that grace from the beginning? Well, it's – we're circling back a little to one of the big issues I had with the the religious way I grew up. And I think the way I've kind of distilled it as an adult is I felt like there was a lot of judgment for stuff that people didn't know. And and what I came to find is truly these organizations are filled with a lot of good people because I would mm-hmm. see, you know, as I grew up and and the church split up and everyone world, everyone's world expanded. I would see people come in contact with someone who before they would cast a lot of judgment on whether they were homosexual, whether they were this, that, whatever, where normally, again, it'd be like, you're going to hell. This is wrong. You have to change. And what I found is that if they actually knew the person, there was so much understanding and love that did eventually grow. So many people that I grew up with have changed their views on so many things because they personally experienced it through someone that they care about. And I think that's what's wrong with the world. And if we can all break this one thing, I think the world becomes a better place, is that I wish people didn't have to experience or understand something to show compassion for something. Compassion or empathy. Yeah, it's just it, to me. It's a it, like I don't know why it, it seems like a wild concept to people, but I I always feel like I kind of live my life where like I don't need to understand why I don't need to know somebody who experienced that. Like again, if what you're doing like it brings you joy, happiness, you aren't hurting anyone in the world. Like and you're being a good person, great. You're great in my book. Yeah. Like and I support you in your life, and I like I have your back. But there. It's how people perceive on social media, right? Like, again, if they got to know us face to face, if they lived in our world, if they were in the same situation that we were in, then they would understand Mm -hmm. it and show more compassion. But it's really easy to not put yourself in someone else's shoes. Or again, you don't have to be in my shoes. Just don't be a dick. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, it really is that simple. And I think part of the root of the issue is just like the human condition is we're all very like egocentric some people more than others, but it, it's hard for you to see like outside of your own experience. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this is how it is and this is how I am and this is how it should be done and this is how it's worked for me. So anything outside of that is wrong or different. And again, just giving people the benefit of the doubt about whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like obviously not you know, the people on your podcast. They don't get the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt anymore. But anyone who's not murdering people, like live and let live. It's all good. Um, I also think, 
I guess the conversation about, well, like you did this to yourself. Like you put yourself on this platform. You put your life out there for this judgment. You opened, you know, the the doors of social media for this feedback. So don't complain when you get it, which I think is also kind of messed up. Yeah. And I, again, what I'm asking for is for the world to be a better place. And it's not going to be. So (laughs) so again, I'm talking about like a hypothetical, like la la land. I'm just saying, I think think the people that also do that are unhappy. And so I think it'd be a happier world all around if we could do that. I'm not, I'm not ridiculous. I know that we're not going to live that, which is why, like, I don't give a fuck what people say about me. <laughs> you don't know how many times I said IDGAF in the recording right before you. <laughs> it was like, well, and because as I've stated, I don't give a fuck. Uh, yeah. But I also think that's something that you get blessed with as you get older. Yeah. And I'm actually really grateful that I didn't um, have this platform until I was older. I don't know that I could have yeah. handled it the same way if I came into this in my teens or early 20s. Like we we really took off right around the time I turned 30. And I think I had a really good sense of who I was. I had time mm-hmm. to build all of these relationships in my life with, you know, my husband before this ever happened, with my friends. I still have the same group of friends. And so I think that has been really important. And I I always say this thing like I I care what people I respect think about me. And so yeah. at the end of the day, you know, the, the friends that I had all along, you know, if they still think I'm a good person, if they still love me, if my husband still loves me, my family. That's what matters. Yeah. If you were to come to me and be like, Mina, you've been a real see you next Tuesday. Like we need to have a conversation. I'd be like, oh crap. Right. I value your opinion. You know me. You, yeah, you know Whereas who I am. Random- you don't know yes. the, the 30 minutes that I was talking about, you know, one case or whatever, or the 30-second yes. social media thing I did that is a fraction of my life. You know me inside and out. You know my circle, my what all of it. Yeah, that that's what matters. Yes. And like, and so yeah. I can't give energy to every bad comment for people who don't who don't know me, my intentions. Well, and I think one of the things that has been kind of a hot button for crime podcasts in general that Audio Chuck, Crime Junkie, like everything you make does a really incredible job of is not sensationalizing this stuff. Mm. So while you are telling, like the story is the vehicle to get something like bigger across. Mm -hmm. You're telling an interesting story so people will listen. And care. But you focus so much more on the victims and so much more on the advocacy that your platform created. I mean, the amount of money you guys raise, the amount of cases that are solved, because there are all these crime junkies Mm -hmm. that are thousand percent obsessed with the podcast and literally everything you make. You could be like, this podcast is going to be about my last 10 bowel movements. And people would love (laughs) it. Number one. But they would probably learn a lot about their bowels. (laughs) For me, I think you guys do it in an incredible way. And so much good comes from it that some people also don't understand. I mean, again, the we have one star reviews like out the wazoo, like and and that's where again in my life I treat my work the same way. Is it, I know that the the people that I work with every day res- understand what I'm doing, respect what I'm doing. They think I'm doing a good job. They don't have a problem with me. The lo- any law enforcement I work with, any all the victims' families we worked with appreciate what we're doing. And so in my mind, like then I'm doing it right. If if the people I'm talking about in the podcast are happy with what I'm doing, that's how I'm doing it right. Everyone, mm-hmm. it, someone else who listens who has no connection to this, appreciate your opinion. Thank you. But but again, I'm answering to the victim's family. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little 
or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So we had a question in the mailbox from Beth. Hi, Mina and Ashley. Uh, This is Beth from Indy. I love you both so much. I'm so excited to listen to this episode. Um, You guys are both hometown heroes, and I'm so proud of both of you. My question, other than um, can I be your third bestie, is can we talk about money? Like, how are you guys investing? How are you thinking about the future? How are you taking you know, charge of investing and planning ahead for the future. I'm just, you know, I'm really interested in investing and you guys are both incredibly successful. So I'd love to hear how you are investing and how you're thinking about the future. Love you both. Oh, thank you so much. Um, That is a great question, Beth. Obviously, you know, humans are fickle and my show could be gone tomorrow and everyone could decide Mm. that they hate true crime, which won't happen tomorrow. So, like, what are the things that you've done to create, um, like, financial security where you're going to be able to do what you want with your family for the next 50 years? Yeah, for me, it's been a lot of things, especially as, like, I've, I've grown and things have changed. A big part of what I've always done is had no debt yeah. because what I've told Eric is – you know, again, because I wanted to keep reinvesting in the company. And he's like, well, what if then we have nothing to fall back on? I'm like, yeah, but he he always had his job. I was like, I know what I'm confident in is I've been good at every job that I've had. And I know if podcasting blows up, if Ashley Flowers brand blows up, I could go get a job in medical sales tomorrow. Like I so yeah. I can always go back to that. I also don't live an extravagant lifestyle. So I can I can go right back to living on $60,000 a year and be perfectly happy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there was that early on where it's like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's let's just make sure if it goes away that I don't owe anyone anything. Is Frank okay? Sorry, Frank's being a bugaboo <laughs> whining over here. I don't know if you guys can I can't hear him. Hear him. I, I think that makes really good sense. And I think probably similar. I mean, mine is my financial insecurities are far more deep seated because my parents like, you know, spent all their money on their divorce and Money was a control mechanism. Mm. Um, so even when, as soon as I could drive in high school, I got a job. So I had my own money. So it couldn't be like, oh, well, you can have mm-hmm. money for this if you do this, if you get good grades, if you whatever. So from a very early age, I wanted financial independence. And I'm sure you and Eric had the conversation. Um, when when Steve and I got engaged, we're getting married. I always am very clear, like, this has nothing to do with you. This is my own issue, Mm -hmm. and it's now going to affect you. I will always have my own checking account. Mm -hmm. I will always. Um, And I think because I will always have my own, like you should have yours. And then we have a shared um, credit card that like groceries go Mm -hmm. on and the kids swim classes and things like that. But I think that very early on was important to me and saving and investing um, because even, you know, my dad, he's 76. He's still working. I don't know when he's going to be able to retire because he didn't have the ability, opportunity, desire, whatever it was to be able to save as much yeah. as he wanted. So I started my, my business as well with no debt. 
kind of not by choice. No one would loan me money. (laughs) Um, So same. I I didn't even ask for a loan because I'm like, hi, I'm in software sales, but I'm thinking about starting this media empire out of Indianapolis. I don't think anyone would write me a check. (laughs) It's going to be great. Can I have like 500,000? A few years in, I did ask. uh, Asked and answered no several times. I actually just got our company got an equity line to be able to like fund the bill for some of the renovations like two years oh my ago. God. <laughs> but still, I mean, I have my own savings account, mm-hmm. uh, my own checking account. We have rental properties that are long-term mm-hmm. investment, but I think just being very realistic about balancing it and for everything in life, uh, my kind of, it's hope for the best, plan for the worst. So, That's, you know, Steve. Girl, I've been saying that yes. forever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so I would. No matter what it is in, you know, your marriage, hope for the best, plan for the worst, in your career change. I, I used to always say, I say it a little differently. I would always say I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than horribly disappointed. <laughs> it, yes. So. That is, that has a nicer ring to it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, now, you know, now that there's actually money coming in. It is for me about about putting some of that away for my family, but also for my work family. Like that's how I think of of everyone here. And I in my mind, I take it really seriously that these people left like corporate jobs and took a chance on me. And, you know, now this is an established company. But part of what I you know, if podcasting blew up tomorrow, I have made sure that I've got enough to like float everyone for six months that I'm not just going to tell someone you're done tomorrow. Like I give them some runway. That's incredible. I mean, and that's one of the, the big fears I have um, because my my company doesn't really make a lot of money. We actually probably lost money last year. But thinking about the responsibility yeah. that we both have that we employ, we employ other people. There are families that rely on me. It's one of the things that like actually stresses me out the, the most 100%. is that like everything I'm doing with a business, it's not just like, oh, hope this works out. Like it has to work out because I have all, I have husbands and wives and I, we have such a young team. They're having kids. And I'm like, God, yeah. this has to work. <laughs> this has to work. I mean, there's definitely days. They've probably been a hundred days in the last eight years of the show where I'm like, I'm done. This is too mm-hmm. hard. This is too stressful. Like I, I don't need to be doing this to myself, making myself crazy. And then the immediate next thought in my brain is, okay, this doesn't just affect me. This affects all my employees. It Mm -hmm. affects the entire production team who, yes, they could probably go get other jobs. It affects income for the state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, I know. (laughs) It's a lot bigger than just like, okay, Steve's quitting his job and they'll replace him. He'll be hard to replace because he's really good at it, but he's in sales and, you know, it's, it's stupid. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. is. It's It's so stressful. I have a lot of tummy aches. <laughs> I want to ask you this. This is kind of changing the topic, but it was something we talked about early on in our courtship of friendship um, because the last name situation. I mean, obviously your name is just epic and and well-known. I had the show in a little bit of you know name recognition before Steve mm-hmm. and I got married, and it was very important to Steve that I took his last name. I do GAF at all, other than the fact that it's a pain in the butt to change your yeah, name. Really. Like the things you have to go through. Yeah. Um, and and I did. I went through the process and I actually dropped my middle name and made my middle name Starziak. Yeah. So now I'm Mina Starziak Hawk. But I know it was a conversation for you guys too. So I want I want you to talk Ooh, about that. Oh yeah. A painful conversation. Um oh no, our 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 uh, husbands, you guys, have lamented many mm-hmm. a days over. Um, how obnoxious Ashley and I are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about um, how, you know, how famous we are and all the things that go along with it. Well, so so that was my plan. 
And to Eric's defense, like I, there is a was a frustration early on because the plan was for me to change my name, and everything that we talked about, it was like, yeah, 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 I'll make flowers my middle name, um, take your last name, and then as like as I got closer and closer, then I did start doing the business stuff, and but there was something inside of me that like hurt, like when I thought about not being like that, I, you have to give that not up. being Ashley Flowers, yeah, and I. I couldn't understand why. And it's so funny. I remember having this conversation with my dad, who of everyone in my family is still like the most traditional. And yeah. um, I was like, I don't understand why. And he's like, well, like you're you're showing that you're like proud of his family and this. And I was like, but I'm proud of my family, too. And like I, we had this mm-hmm. whole argument. It ended with my dad being like, I don't know. I guess it's, it's just the way things are done. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. The minute you say that to me, I'm like, it's over. Yeah. So I, I was having like a some struggles with it. I had just set up all the business stuff um, when we got married. And so it just like was one of those things like I wasn't doing, wasn't doing, wasn't doing. And then he was like, so are you ever? And it was right around this time that like it was like a year into our marriage. My parents got divorced after like 31 years of marriage. And so that brought up a whole new set of feelings for me of like, I, I felt like I was already losing something of my family. I like I can't I lose this too. And it was I was really struggling because I'm like, why does that matter? Like you fell in love with Ashley Flowers. Why can't I still be Ashley Flowers? Um, mm. And then so so then I was like, well, maybe when we have kids down the line, like we'll all have the same name. So that kind of like put it off. Uh, and yeah. then Joe came and it was like a whole new set of hurt he and I had to go through. Um, obviously Joe has his last name. Like I, he, it was really sweet. I wanted Joe to have a different middle name. He actually wanted her middle name to be Flowers. Um, yeah. So I think she has something from both of us, but, and then, and then at this point I have so many LLCs and companies and, and now it like it, it, I still, I still love my name for me, but I, I can't imagine the nightmare of having to change everything, but it really was for me. It's like, this is who I am. And if you, you wanted me for who I am who I am is Ashley Flowers. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't see why changing that. I'm not any less committed to you. I I don't know. I mean, it's such a bigger, like the meaning it carries for some people. Um, I mean, I've talked about before, like with, with Steve, when we got married, for me, it's a piece of paper mm-hmm. that I can burn at any second. <laughs> um, I've seen my parents undo it a whole lot of times. <laughs> but for Steve, because the way he was raised, like it is so much more. Yeah. It is this whole next level of commitment and you are a ride or die, you will go down the rabbit hole. Like you are there and not, you know, not that one way, I actually, I would think my parents' way is probably not the right way. (laughs) But I was going to say not that one is like more right or more wrong, but we just come from such different Mm -hmm. backgrounds and you can't pretend that those things that you were raised with don't exist. Mm -hmm. So I can't just be like, oh yeah, my parents treated marriage like it was a joke. But I'm not going to do that. Like, it's deeply ingrained in me that marriage is not a permanent structure. So it does create a lot of of those kind of internal battles and then external conversations with with Steve. For you, I'm interested to know too, because I went to, I did your book launch with you and it was so fun. And your fans are diehard. Mm-hmm. Um, my HGTV fans are too. And how does Eric feel, particularly because you're on a a podcast, which isn't necessarily like a visual medium oftentimes, um, Steve's on the show. So he's got more recognition now. So people will recognize him when we're out together first and then recognize me sometimes. How does it work out for you guys? Does Eric get frustrated that, you you know, you're out on a date dinner or whatever and you have people 
wanting part of you? Oh, never. Because it because it doesn't happen a ton. And because I yeah. think many people don't know what I look like unless they follow me on social media, which is a small uh-huh. percentage of our listenership. And so honestly, and he has the biggest heart. He is the one who's like who wants to go above and beyond for fans. And he's so he's so nice. Oh, he is the nicest he's so nice in the world. So it'll literally sometimes be him who I remember one time he was like walking to the bathroom or something. This might have been when we were at Geraldine's. He's walking to the bathroom or something, and he's like, those people, like, at the bar, I heard them talking. Like, they recognize you. You should go up and say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he – and again, I think if it happened all the time and we were constantly be different. being interrupted, yeah. And truthfully, I think because you have to follow me to know what I look like, people know what Eric looks like, and – the dude sticks out like a sore He's thumb. He's giant. They're going to they, see him way before they see They recognize him. Yeah, way before they recognize me. And they're like, I saw Eric. And then I saw Chuck. And then I was like, that's got to be her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Does it ever create, I mean, anything beyond a conversation that your audio Chuck, like Eric is gainfully employed. He now, he works for the company now, but he was in accounting, right? Uh, he actually, no, he's a project manager for our, um, like, Indianapolis Power and Light. He ran some of their green power initiatives. Okay. But, and now he's on the audio Chuck team. He has been for a while. Mm-hmm. He went and got his MBA in finance and then came to work for us. What a smarty pants. Mm-hmm. Um, does it ever create any, like, conflict or anything where, like, you, audio Chuck is the breadwinner? Um, yeah, we've had a lot of conversations about like working together and him feeling because I I tell him all the time, like, yeah, I know I'm the face of this. I'm like the the talent on the show or whatever, but I couldn't have done this without him. Both like his his financial support here. I don't know shit about numbers. So like his his knowing about the accounting and making sure everything's done properly and that we're not like hemorrhaging money, like not only is that valuable, but also the support he's given me to do the long hours and the creative stuff, taking those six months that I know were painful for him to be at home with Joe so that I could go back to work. Like I feel like it's a partnership, but I know sometimes for him it has felt like this is my my thing. And, And he has struggled sometimes feeling like he's just living in my world. Yeah. I, I've noticed that I have to be better with Steve about making sure that like he his his corporate job that he's had since we got married for 11 years, he kept not because he loves it and, you know, is fulfilled by it, but it carried great insurance and mm-hmm. regular income. And if anything happened with me or my business, we could live on that mm-hmm. and that's fine. So that's a, you know, kind of not necessarily – it's a sacrifice he yeah. made. And so recently when he chose to do something – different, I really supported him. Like, you've done this for 10 years. You supported our family in a really nice structured way for this long. Like, now's your opportunity. Um, and I I have to be better about that because I'm not the most emotionally in touch or aware of other people's feelings human. Um, don't know if you've picked that up about me. Well, but, Eric's uh, love language is um, words of affirmation. Yes. Which yeah. is the freaking worst for me. Like, I am so... <laughs> So bad for someone who talks for a living. I'm yes. so bad at like I will think all the wonderful things. He looks amazing yes. today. He's such a good dad. But like getting it to come out of my mouth is such a yes. chore. And yeah. so I've been trying to get better at preemptively thanking him because one of the things he said he's like, you always tell me what a great job I'm doing and how much I help you when I bring up the fact that I feel like I live in your world. Yeah, and I'm like I think it all the time. And so <laughs> you're not inside my brain. Uh-huh, you can't. Uh-huh. You can't figure that out. Yeah. So, I mean, have you felt like the 
fame from the show has affected any other areas of your life? I know you mentioned you do you have an amazing friend group. I there's mm-hmm. not a single one of them that I'm like, oh, they're annoying. I love them all. Mm-hmm. I love when we get to hang out with them all. Um, and you had them before the show. And I think that is super beneficial, like, you know, hashtag no new friends. But things get weird when you get some fame, right? I mean, obviously, we catfished you. Yeah, you catfished. I was saying, I think you're my only, like, new friend. I So much hasn't changed. Again, I think it's because I'm in this Indiana bubble. Like, I've gotten, like, you know, DM'd or connected with, like, celebrities who are fans of the show. And, like, you know, there's a world where if I live by them, maybe we're getting drinks or whatever. But, like, I'm Mm -hmm. still down the street from the people I've been friends with for 10 plus years. So I'm still playing cards on Friday nights with those people. We're still doing Christmas parties together. So nothing has changed. You actually posted something earlier this week with the friend group and I had FOMO. I was like, oh, I miss them. I haven't seen them. Yeah, we need to all do something. Yeah, we did like a friends give miss and we did like a white thing. Yeah, yeah, we did like a white elephant for Christmas and it was so fun. But it's even harder now once you have kids too to figure that out because like, my kids nap at different times than your kid. And I mean, Joe goes to sleep at like six, which is incredible. It's unreal. But it's just, it's a whole nother element to yep. an already incredibly busy life um, that you have to be super purposeful about. And I think particularly our better halves are good at that. Mm-hmm. And um, we have our, we have a group text that's called Ashley Fresh Flowers. I don't remember why. It's called Fresh Snacks. So called Fresh Snacks. Oh, it's actually it's Fresh Snacks. Yeah, yes. because so we used to have an an old uh, chat that was just called Snacks. Yes. Um, because and you got a new number. Yeah, because my husband was constantly talking about like, well, what what's our snack going to be? Like, what are we going to snack on? What are we gonna, <laughs> and so we called the group chat Snacks, and then I got a new number, and I, I was and like, you fresh. guys got. I was like, you guys got to stop texting the other one that goes to my assistant now. And so we're like Fresh <laughs> Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our group chat and. Often, it's just our husbands talking back and forth. Because, yeah, they they have so much time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure they're going to be annoyed with us. Like, you guys make it sound like we don't work at all. I'll get in there, and it's like you have 25 missed text messages. And sometimes I'm like, Eric, just tell me what happened. I can't even. I do. I do that, too. (laughs) Steve has, we have a couple of text groups like that. It's with you guys, with Luke Rhodes and his wife. Um, He's our long snap for the Colts. And that group text is called Quadzilla because he has the best quads Mm -hmm, in the league. mm -hmm. Um, but again, the the husbands will just go down the rabbit hole, and you know the the summary is always interesting, so yeah. that's great. <laughs> but you know, it's been it's been super fun, and I have I, I mean I've thanked you um, in every email I send, but like ad nauseum for this podcast, like having you as a sounding board has been huge because Good. my show's not going to last forever. You know, again, people are very fickle, and the network is changing all the time. So figuring out a platform that can be sustainable and a way where I can really – my goal was to be able to take what I do on Instagram and then just expand on it because I have been able to you know, be comfortable talking about a lot of these things yeah. that other people aren't. So while nothing in our episode is particularly uncomfortable Scandalous. other than you know maybe some money stuff, that's, that's my hope on this. And Ashley's been a huge help from the beginning. Um, and so I'm super excited to have you on and chat. And I'm glad that we were able to make some time outside Me too. Of, that is, you know, it's still work. So I guess it counts. But this is fun work. I can't believe this is my job. I like, know. This is wild. I want to learn so much. There's so many things that I want to talk about on the podcast. So that's that's really what I'm hoping is to get all these really cool, interesting people on to talk about weird, interesting things. And, you know. It's going to be so fun. Learn stuff. 
it's going to be fun. So thank you for being part of it and helping. Thank you. And thank you guys all for listening. I really appreciate it. Do not forget, uh, if you guys want to drop a question, we've got the link in the show notes with the voice box. Leave your question. We will answer it. And do not forget to subscribe. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.